day we've gathered in this place. Let's do just that. this morning be show us show us your glory show us your majesty show us your wisdom show us your knowledge show us every aspect of you lord that we may walk away from this place a little bit more conformed into the image of jesus than when we came those of us who believe and those who have yet to 
repent and believe, Lord, we pray that they would see Jesus high and lifted up and see Him as the Lord and Savior that they desperately need today. And Lord, for for all of us, we just want to uh, experience You, and it's in Christ's name we pray, for His sake, amen. All right, please be seated, and uh, I do want to call your attention to remember the prayer cards. The pastor and staff will be faithful to pray for those every Tuesday morning, and the connection card, this little blue card, um, if you're new to us, we would love to know you're worshiping with us today, and if you fill this out uh, and, uh, and take it to the connection area there in the lobby, uh, we'd love to show you a, a token of our appreciation for you being here today, so just take that with you and give that to one of the attendants out there after the service, and we would love to, to meet you out there, okay? So please do that. Uh, Jeffrey and Luke. Good morning. We, today we are going to take just a couple of moments and we are going to recognize a special group of students today. And we're going to have our seniors stand, please. We didn't tell you we were going to do this. They knew they were doing this, they just didn't know they were standing. So what you have here today is your senior class, for the most part, from our church. And what you see here are the lives of young people that this church and other Christians from around the world and the nation have poured into to bring to this point. And they are about to graduate and go off into a new chapter of their lives. So we are wanting to give them a gift for their accomplishments and a gift of encouragement. We have a book right here. It's called Truth Matters by Andreas Kostenberger. It's a book that will give you some introductory um, views and um, biblical insights to some of the things that you're going to face and, um, as you go into your early religious classes and philosophy classes, some great Christian um, insights and um, a, a token for you to read and to help you grow and stay strong and hold fast in the faith. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to call them up by name. Luke's going to say your name, come forward. Receive your gift, shake my hand, and we'll line you up. And then we're just going to take a moment and pray for them. All right. Let us begin. Brody Bauman. There you go, sir. Thank you. Jake Beats. Cassidy Brigantz. Um, and sadly, Jace Easley is not able to be here today, but we're going um, to look. <laughs> yeah, there he is. So Jace Easley. <laughs> Rhett Hayward. Right. There you go. Thank you. Kenna Mayfield. God bless you. Abigail Meadows. Ella Metcalf. You're welcome. Marissa Murfin. Ava Powell. Mariah Putt. (laughs) 
Brianna Schroeder. Okay. You're fine, you're fine. Trinity Shoup. Jordan Spetched. And last but not least, Lila Watson. All right, please join with me as we just go to the Lord and pray for his protection and provision for these students as they go onto this next chapter of their lives. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today. I thank you that you've brought me to this congregation to, to pastor, to lead the students here. And, and I, I thank you for this group of students that's right here. Lord, they love you. They want to do what's right. They want to please you as I've gotten to know them. And I just pray right now that as they go off into this next season of life, this next chapter, I pray, Lord, that you would guide them. Lord, you tell us in Psalms that you will teach and you will guide your children and that you will counsel them with your eye upon them. And I pray that as they go out, your eye would be upon them and that you would lead and guide and teach. Lord, we pray for protection. Lord, there are many people and many places that would like for us to be shaken and abandon the faith, the faith that you are God, that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins to save us from all, for all eternity from a place called hell. And I pray right now that you would protect these students as they go out to their colleges and universities and to their workplaces, that you would protect them from the attacks of the devil. And as we'll learn in a couple weeks from Ephesians, Lord, may they put on the whole armor that you have provided for them in the Holy Spirit through your word. And Lord, I pray right now that you would help them grow in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. May they learn to savor him more every day. And may they be able to sing that old hymn, more love to Christ, uh, to thee. And I pray that they, would, that they would have that as the ambition of their lives, no matter where you take them. In Jesus' name we ask this, amen. Thank you guys, you may be seated. As we continue our worship today, uh, chosen some songs that I think will hopefully uh, guide uh, new graduates, but it really guides us whether we're in our 40s or 60s or 80s. Every day, we have to decide, are we going to make life choices based on our best emotions or thoughts? Are we going to make our, our choices, our life choices based on the Word of God? And this next song tells us that. I was just reminded by one of our choir members. It says, I, I dare not trust the sweetest frame meaning my emotions, my best thoughts, but wholly, completely lean on Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together the solid rock. Yeah. 
that he is our rock, he is our constant, he is our redeemer. This is maybe new to you. Listen along for the first verse and, and then sing along with us, okay? Oh, Lord, my 
for it. Let me remind you, please, to pray for uh, Brother Philip and Natalie. Uh, they are with some dear friends in Georgia. You remember uh, Pastor Philip reminding you that a friend of his named uh, Chris uh, was near death, and, and uh, he, he went to be with the Lord Thursday morning early. And so they went to be with them, and uh, Philip would be preaching tomorrow at 2. And so pray for that service, and... Um, just remember them in your prayers tomorrow, okay? And their safe return. Let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you now. We thank you for this time uh, that is continuing a time of, of praise, a time of sacrifice. It's our time of, of giving. It's a time of uh, giving back to you what you blessed us with. And so, Lord, we uh, want to be faithful and joyful in doing that, knowing that uh, you're going to increase your kingdom and bring glory to your name. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How vast the everlasting love of God, how sure and faithful as the morning, this love so great for us to never fail, nor end, for it had no Sinner, 
Good morning, my brothers and sisters, again. It is good to be here in the house of the Lord and to be with you in worshiping our Savior. Um, do be in prayer for Pastor Philip as he is um, with his friend and, and Natalie as well. Um, I can't imagine losing someone so close, but we have hope as Christians. We have a faith of seeing our God and our Savior, and um, Pastor's friend had that hope. And as odd as it sounds, the Lord delights in the death of his saints, and we have to take comfort in that. So be in prayer with them. I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles into the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2. It's a short little book right after First and Second Timothy. And as you're turning there, I'm going to ask a question. How many of you like to go tent camping? Just raise your hand. God bless you. <laughs> well, whether you like to tent camp or not, here's a little bit of trivia. Did you know that if you were to run in a campsite full of tents, you never run, you always ran? Why do you ask that you would ran instead of run? Well, it's simple. Because when you run in a campsite, it's always past tense. Oh, okay. There are two reasons I, there are two reasons I start with that. One is because Brother Don Currents brought it to my attention that the last time I spoke, I didn't tell any dad jokes, and he was very distraught about that. So you have Don partly to blame for, for that, and then also I want us to get our brains going and thinking about grammar. You see, as Christians, we live lives in the past, present, and future. We are people who live in the present, yes, but we have a hope that we're looking forward to, but we have a great salvation that we always look back to. And in the book of Titus, Paul is going to open our eyes and give us a little taste of the past, present, and future of our faith. And then what we're going to do today is focus on what Christ has done for us in the past. I've entitled this sermon, Remembering Our Savior. Hopefully now I've given you enough time to find Titus chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 11. Let us read God's word together. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession, who are zealous for good works. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As you read through this, Titus is telling, or Paul is telling Titus, 
that as Christians live out their lives in the present, they are to be pursuing holiness, godliness, uprightness. Christians should be pursuing in their daily lives Christ-likeness. Renouncing the things of this world, worldly passions, and ungodly desires. And as we're living these holy lives and as we're pursuing Christ's likeness in our present time, we are looking forward to a day. The day when our great God and Savior Jesus Christ appears. We don't have just a therapeutic faith that gets us through the troubles of life now. We have a faith that tells us that the God creator of this world and his son one day will return to make things right. And what we do in the present time matters in the future. And we should be waiting and anticipating the return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But while Paul tells Titus what we should be doing in the present, And what we are looking for in the future, there is a past tense to our text, starting in verse 14. And Paul wants to call to memory of both Titus and the people that he would be leading of what Christ had done for them not so many years ago. Today we are going to be remembering our Savior And in verse 14, we are told that it is our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. And this morning, we're just going to break that down. We're going to take time and recall and reflect on exactly what Christ did on our behalf. So the first thing we see in verse 14, and the first thing I want us to remember, is that Jesus gave himself for us. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. And this morning I want us to think and reflect on what does it mean that Jesus gave himself for us? This seems so elementary. It seems so basic. Why do we need to say it? Why do we need to think about it? Because we tend to forget about things that are important. I tend to forget the main things that Michelle tells me to go and get when I go to the grocery store. And I come back and she gives me the look. It's a very loving look. But it's a look I know well. And we as people, we have the tendency to forget the things that can be so basic and matter the most. Jesus gave himself for us, and what does that mean? First of all, it means that he willingly gave up the glory and the comforts of heaven to come and die. He who was equal with God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he gave up the comforts and the glory of heaven to come to this broken earth. He gave up the glories and comforts of heaven. He willingly traveled to Jerusalem to die. 
We're told in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus took his 12 disciples and he says, listen, I'm going to Jerusalem. And when we get to Jerusalem, the chief priests and the Jewish leaders, they're going to take the Son of Man and they're going to falsely accuse him and they're going to mock him and they're going to beat him and they're going to kill him. And we're going. And so Jesus, when he gave himself, he gave himself and he willingly went to Jerusalem knowing what awaited him there that last time of his travels. It means that he willingly gave himself to the man who would betray him to death. When Jesus was sitting at the Last Supper with Judas Iscariot, he did not avoid him and sit at the other end of the table. He didn't get up and and go to the restroom to wash his hands as Judas got closer to him. That night, Judas, sorry, Judas came to the table and Jesus gave him drink. He gave him food. And he looked at him and he said, what you're about to do, go and do it quickly. He willingly gave himself over to his betrayer. He willingly gave himself to the will of God that would cause his death. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 and 42, we're told of the great prayer that he is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane as the sweat sweat, um, blood sweat drops come off of his forehead. He's praying in agony, and he says, if there's any other way to do what I'm about to do, Father, let this cup pass from me. And what was his prayer? Not my will be done, but yours. Jesus giving himself for us means that he willingly gave himself to the arresting officers. He didn't put up a fight. He didn't run away. He said, here I am. Take me. He willingly gave himself to false testimonies that would be drummed up by the Jewish leaders. He willingly gave himself over to the earthly authority of Pontius Pilate. Jesus Christ, who said, I could call down thousands of angels and I could could save myself. He willingly gave himself over to this potentate, to this governor. He willingly gave himself to the mocking, the spitting, the beating, the nail driving, the hanging, the nakedness and humiliation of the cross. He finally and willingly gave up his spirit to God the Father. Into your hands I commend my spirit. This is what it means that Jesus gave himself up. He wasn't coerced. He wasn't forced. He wasn't prodded to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross for us. He willingly gave himself. I'm going to be honest. Part of me wants to say, I think I would do that. But then there's a really big part of me that says, I don't know if I would do that for anyone. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, and Jesus gave himself up. Now, what's the next line? The next line is he gave himself up. For what purpose? For what end did Jesus give himself up for? 
for us. For us. The giving of Jesus' life had an end and it had, it had, it had a recipient. And it was you and it was me. You see, it was not for his own benefit that Jesus gave himself up. It was for us. And this phrase reminds us of the personal nature of our salvation. It is this fact where we can say, he took my sin and my sorrow and he made them his very own and he bore them on Calvary where he suffered and died alone. I'm here to tell you today, brothers and sisters, Jesus gave himself for you. Over here, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. I'm not trying, I'm just letting you know. God, Jesus gave himself for us. He took our sin and our sorrow and he made them his very own. But not only did Jesus give himself for us, we also must remember today that Jesus redeemed us. He redeemed us from all lawlessness is what Paul says. You see, redemption has lost its biblical meaning in our culture today. And if you, if you are here today and you watch competitions on TV, whether they're cooking competitions or singing competitions or talent competitions, you'll know that if a contestant messes up or doesn't win like everyone thinks they should, that program will sometimes bring back that guest, that competitor, and they'll invite them back for a chance of redemption. And in this sense of redemption in our world today, we think of it as second chances that we can drum up on our own. But this is not the biblical understanding of redemption. Redemption is the act of paying a price for something that was lost in captivity that otherwise would be lost forever if that payment was not made. This usually refers to the slave market where someone would be a captive and someone would be um, um, for sale and someone would redeem them. They would pay a price to bring that person out of slavery. It makes me think of a couple of years ago when my dad walked out of his apartment and noticed that his car had gone missing. Some would say stolen. But instead of phoning the police, like he probably should, he called his wife and they went all Columbo and Rockford. Sorry for my 70s police references. He went NCIS on them. And they went down and they shook down the neighborhood. They interviewed all the potential suspects. Two weeks later, they never found anything and they went to the police. They gave them the, the, the registration. They gave them all the information. And the police said, oh yeah, we've got that in the pound. Well, can I have it back, was my dad's reply. And they said, sure, for 500 bucks. He said, well, my car was stolen. And they said, we don't know that. We just found it on the side of the road. And if you want your car back, you better pay us the $500. So my dad reluctantly gave $500 
and payment to set free the little Dodge Dart that stood in the impound to get it back. Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us there is none righteous, there's no not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none that seek after him. There's no, right, no one righteous. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And all of us, in our natural state, are in the bondage of sin. We are in the dominion of sin. Unable to pull ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps. We are unable to save ourselves from the dominion and the power of the sin that enslaves us. But praise be to God, 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to die on the cross to make the payment that would set us free. And he didn't do it begrudgingly. He gave himself. He wasn't like my dad who complained all the way to the bank and all the way to the cash register. Jesus paid the cost. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You've been released. The payment has been made, and you brought nothing to the table. And this is good to remember, because sometimes... When we come into the Christian faith, we love redemption. We love that Jesus paid it all and all to him we owe. But sometimes as we get into the Christian life, we think we have to work for it. We think we have to make back payments for it. Paul wants us to look back at the cross of Calvary and remember that Jesus, our great God and Savior, gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness. You know what that means to me? You know what it means to It doesn't matter what it means to me. Do you know what it means? It means that every one of your lawless deeds paid for, every, every wandering thought that you don't want people to know about, every idle, mean, nasty word that you've spoken, Everything that you have done and will do has been covered and paid for and that has been nailed to the cross. And you bear it no more. He took your sin and your sorrow and he made it his very own. You've been redeemed. Oh. And what have we been redeemed from? We've been redeemed from sin's power. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, Peter writes to a group of Christians. He says, knowing that you were ransomed, you were redeemed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You have been redeemed from sin's power, so quit living in the bondage of your sinful desires. You've been redeemed from that. 
You don't have to lose your temper with your wife and your children. You don't have to go to that website and click on it every time you open your phone or computer. You don't have to talk about everybody or anybody when you're at a group with a group of friends. You've been redeemed from the power of sin, but you've also been redeemed from the punishment of sin. You no longer have to face the wrath of God. When judgment comes, you will be dressed in the righteousness and the robes of Jesus Christ. You will be found in him and him alone and everything that he has done both in his death and in his life and everything that he has done for you will be counted to you and you will be saved from the wrath of God. And you will be with your Father and with your Savior forever and ever and you will be his people and he will be your God and you will drink together and you will eat together. We will celebrate and live in peace and harmony together. Why? Because you've been redeemed. So remember that Jesus gave himself for us that Jesus redeemed us. But now let's go to the third point where we see that Jesus purified us. Jesus purified us. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession. Jesus purifies us. This means that, first of all, he cleanses us. What can wash away our sins? What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus gave himself for us, he didn't just redeem us from the bondage and the punishment of sin. His blood cleansed us. Like divine oxyclean to our souls. He purified us. Though your sins were as scarlet, he washes you white as snow. He cleanses us. Does the past of your sins make you feel dirty? When you stand before almighty, holy God and you think about how wonderful and how mighty he is, do you feel impure? You probably do because you are. But Jesus has purified you. And in the eyes of God the Father, as he looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ, you are clean. And praise God, Jesus doesn't mind touching unclean people. Praise God that he reached out and he would cleanse and touch lepers. Praise God that he would reach down and talk to adulterous women. The woman at the well. That he would go and talk to guys like Zacchaeus who ripped everyone else off. Praise God that Jesus cleanses us and he's willing to do so. But not only does Jesus, when he purifies us, cleanses us. When Jesus purifies us, he claims us. 
Did you see that? To purify for himself a people of his own possession. Listen, when you're redeemed, you're not redeemed and brought out of the bondage of sin and put in this neutral state to go live however you want to. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you know that you've been bought with the price and your bodies are not your own? Jesus bought you not just to deliver you from God's wrath, but to make you his very own possession so that you would be zealous and that you would be passionate about doing good and good deeds and works of righteousness. Jesus purified us to be his and to be his alone. We have been bought with the price when Jesus saved us, we became his. Therefore, we do not have the liberty to live however we want to, chasing whatever worldly desires or fantasies that we have or we want. We belong to the good shepherd who leads us in the green pastures and who leads us beside the still waters. We belong to the vine who gives us life in this hot and dry land of the world. We belong to the light of the world who shines the light of truth on our path as we walk around and on our pilgrim journey. When Jesus purified us, he cleansed us, but then he claimed us. You are not your own, you belong to Jesus. Just like when you get married and you belong to the other person, you belong to them. And I'm pointing over here because my wife's over here. We belong to each other. I am hers and she is mine. And I want you to hear this morning from Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, that you are his and he is yours. He is your good shepherd that will lead you in and out of the fold. He will lead you and guide you in every way. He is the vine that will supply you the life that you need. He is the light that will give you the light that you need on this dark path. Remember today, folks, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good work. So today I want to close with three points of application. Maybe you are here today or listening online. Maybe you're here today and you are still in the bondage of sin needing redemption. Maybe, maybe you are here today and you know that your life is stained with the soiling, of, the soiling matter of your rebellion against God Almighty. If you are here and you are in need of redemption and purification, they are both available for you today at the foot of the cross all that is required of you is to receive by faith and trust in the price that was paid for you 2,000 years ago by Jesus Christ, who willingly gave himself for you. You must willingly place yourself at the foot of the cross and be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You must call out to God today and ask him to apply the bondage-breaking and the sin-cleansing blood of Jesus Christ to you. And know 
with all certainty and confidence when you call on God to save you through the work and person of Jesus Christ. Know with certainty that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So maybe you're here today and you know you've never been redeemed and you want what's being advertised here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Come to him. Ask for what he's done. Application number two. Tonight, we're going to be coming back to participate in the Lord's Supper. I would encourage you to come before then because from 4.30 to 5.30, we're going to be having our seniors. They'll have tables out in the commons and you can see some of their accomplishments and get to know them a little bit more. But after that, we're going to come here at 5.30 and we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. And as we do this, and during the time that we're together tonight, we as a church will remember in a very tangible way the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. So that when you return tonight and place the elements in your body, and you place the element of bread and the element of juice into your mouth, you will remember that you are proclaiming your faith in what Jesus has done for you 2,000 years ago at the cross. So tonight, remember the salvation that Jesus' broken body and spilt blood paid for you. Come and remember tonight what Jesus did. And then thirdly, as you live your life in the present time waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, Christian, as you're walking as a pilgrim in this weary land, looking forward to the appearing of the, great, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, never stop looking back at the great salvation that has been given to you. Why? because it is the fuel that will propel you forward to the glory ahead. May we remember that Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, gave himself for us to redeem us and to purify us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your great grace and your great love. I pray right now that you would bless each heart that's here, each person, as we've looked back and seen the great gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I pray that it would mean something to us, and I pray that it would spur us on to holiness and godliness, awaiting and anticipating the return of Jesus. If there's anyone here that needs to come to Christ and call upon him for salvation, may they do so. In Jesus' name, amen. So please stand as we give the song of invitation. If the Lord is speaking to you and you would like to come forward and receive Christ as your Savior, you can come forward. We can do that. If there's something that you need to work with with God and get right with God about, come forward and, and do that here too. I'll be up here. We have pastors all around, women up here ready to help and, and pray with you. So we're going to sing this invitation and invite you to come and do business with God. Sing this together. Come just as you are, hear the Spirit.
Thank you for being here with us today. I just want to say a little blessing over you as we go out. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you as you go out to your daily activities. God bless you. Thank you all for coming. David? You rose the grave and dead were conquered.